Good morning. Hey, it is so good to see all of you. Today, happy Father's Day, by the way. Uh, I just want to shout out my dad real quick. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Love you, big guy. Um, our dads can teach us a lot of great things about life. My dad, he taught me how to care for people deeply. He also taught me how to not laugh at your own jokes. Uh, and you can see how I failed miserably. Thanks, Mom. You don't have to point that out. But I failed miserably at the whole dad joke thing. But my dad teach me, he did teach me one thing. So my dad's a farmer, or grew up on a farm. And he said that somebody that has a farmer's mentality is a man who is outstanding in his field. <laughs> oh, yes. All right, I got one in. I, I was trying really hard not to use any dad jokes today. Um, but I decided to do it despite uh, my wife's better judgment. So anyhow, happy Father's Day, Dad, and happy Father's Day to all of you who are dads or have been dads or are bonus dads or hopeful dads or wishful dads. We just want to take a moment and honor you and celebrate you in everything that you do in our lives. So thank you for that. You know, I realize it's not an easy task uh, to be a dad, to be a parent, you know, it's more than what one or two people can effectively do. That's why, you know, we hear time and time again, it takes a village to raise a child, just like we, you know, had committed this morning uh, to help support the Myers as they dedicate their child, Lucas, to the Lord. You know, it, it's an old African proverb that basically talks about uh, it, it takes every single person in a village being able to help touch that child's life in order for that child to grow up in a safe and holistically healthy environment. And so thank you for everything that you do to pour into this next generation, you know, from kids to youth, you know, and again, as we're supporting parents that are making commitments, thanks, you know, is not enough to be able to say for the things that you do in love and kindness and some of those things that maybe only the Lord sees you do. So thank you for that. You know, as Diane had mentioned earlier this morning, we see in Scripture that God loves children. He loves children, and he loves his children too. Jesus specifically talks about that in one of his teachings, about how to approach the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, this summer, we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about the Sermon on the Mount. It's probably one of the biggest teachings that Jesus has, and so it's the opportunity for us that as we lean in, we can hear from our Heavenly Father and what He has to say about some specific things today. But we're spending this time together on the mountain. And last week, you know, we were looking at the heart of the matter and basically how things uh, kind of creep into our lives or sort of this root of our actions, our heart, and how those motives really are important. You know, personally, I was challenged. I don't know if any of you were challenged by last week's teaching, but I was challenged. I left thinking to myself, okay, I've got to put some of these things into practice, you know, specifically in Scripture where we're talking about how to settle um, arguments. And so for me, that's one thing that I left committed to do and to try and do better. And, you know, that's one of the things that, of many commitments, and I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but I try to commit to do a lot of things and to continue to make some improvements. You know, for one, 
I have committed to try and spend more quality time with my wife and my kids. And that sometimes, what? Okay, all right. It, sometimes it's a difficult task to do just because of you know, all the things that are vying for my attention uh, in life, but I'm trying to and I'm committed to doing that better because I've spent you know, seasons off and on where I'll lean into being a little bit of a workaholic and doing a lot of work and then forget about that ministry that is there of loving and caring for my family. You know, some of the other things are, you know, as I kind of alluded to, uh, but I try to put into practice my life verse, which is James 1, 19. Anybody else? Just me? Okay. So, but that's to be uh, slow to anger, slow to speak, but be quick to listen. That's my life verse. My wife has Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, but for me, James 1, 19, that's one of those things. Also, I try to be really intentional about not spending as much time on my phone because what that ends up doing is taking away time to be present with people. You know, whether it's thumbing around on social media or checking emails or some of those other things, it's difficult because that just has the, the ability to take away that time and attention. And so I try to commit to doing that. And also, you know, if somebody asks for prayer, you know, I try to be really good about saying, hey, I'm gonna be praying for you. And sometimes I fail at that. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things, it almost seems like a, a salutations or whatever in a text, like I'll be praying, but I try to be really intentional about that. And I feel bad when I'm not able to do just that. But I know it's such a small thing. And sometimes if we lack the follow through, that can have some great impact. And maybe, I don't know about you, but maybe that's the same for some of you today. You know, you might have said, hey, I'm going to be there for you, my friend, in whatever the situation might be. Uh, somebody's going through a very difficult season in their life, and you kind of forgot about praying for them, or you forgot to follow up. You know, we've, we've done that. Life kind of creeps in and has a, a way of uh, distracting us at times. You know, uh, and if we're not careful about the commitments that we make or that we don't keep, Things can kind of pile up, and all of a sudden, we're looking at situations that are now larger than they should have been, and we're going, how did I even get here? Maybe it's uh, home remodeling time, right? You're working on that kitchen or that bathroom, and you've not had a toilet in the floor for two years. <laughs> two years without a toilet on the floor. No judgment. Or... Maybe it's uh, laundry. Hey, I'm going to do the laundry two months later. We still have laundry in a basket, and it's not doing it. I'm not calling out anybody, <laughs> Lauren. I'm not. Just chill for a moment. Or the yard work. Steve talked about yard work. Hey, it was a great decision to not opt for that professional landscaper. And your yard looks like a jungle. That's me. That tends to happen a lot because I neglect that. But maybe that's you. Maybe you fall into some of those situations or you can think about some of those that you personally experience where you've not followed through on those commitments that you have made. But what about something more serious? Like committing to love and to cherish your spouse in sickness and in health till death do you part. Or like we saw this morning to commit to raising our children in Christ-centered homes. Or maybe the commitment that we made, whether it was last week or years ago, to submit our will and our desire to what God's will and desire is for our lives and to live for him rather than ourselves. 
Sometimes, you know, that happens. But we can find ourselves, maybe you're here today, feeling overcommitted, overstretched, and not able to make good on those promises that you had made. Or maybe you're here and you're feeling like you have a lack of will and desire to, to actually follow through. You just don't really feel like it anymore. Or maybe you don't really feel like exercising integrity, you know, to be a man of your word or to be a person of integrity. I wanna encourage you today that today is a brand new day. We have the opportunity to be people of integrity. Guys, I just wanna let you know, I understand how difficult it is to be a dad. And sometimes that's really hard to separate. And also, just to be a guy in general. Sometimes it's tough and there are lots of things that are out there that vie for our attention, that vie for our energy and for our effort. And I just wanna encourage you, don't give up do not break those promises that you have made, whether it's to your spouse, to your friend, to your kids, to your coworkers. God can be there for you in that moment. And ladies, same thing can apply to you too. I just wanna say that this morning as we prepare to head into the teaching today because we're gonna be talking about integrity and it's important because Jesus spends a lot of time talking about this. So if you're ready, would you join me in praying? to ask God to speak to us this morning and give us a better understanding of how we can live as people of integrity and how we can move forward together in that. You ready? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to sing about your goodness and your love for us and to remember the promises that you have made to us and to those around us. And so God, I pray that you would help us today uh, to really be able to lean in and to hear you with clarity, God, so that we can see you more clearly and so that ultimately, God, we can respond to the word that you have for us today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we've been sitting in this series, Summer on the Mountain, where we're looking at the teaching that Jesus had, probably one of the largest and most influential teachings, the, the Sermon on the Mountain, right? And it is quite possibly, you know, if you're thumbing through your Bible or if you're looking on your phone, you're gonna see tons and tons and tons of red letters, and that is Jesus speaking. And so he's spending a lot of time because this is important stuff for us to understand. And he's taking time for those that are present and for us to come to terms with what it really looks like to be a follower of Christ, what the kingdom of God actually looks like. How do we relate to the law and how do we live life together in this way. So if you've been following along with us, I wanna encourage you, if you've got your Bible, break that open. Uh, we're in Matthew 5, and we're gonna be starting in verse 27. Or if you got your phone, just tap open to that too. But we're gonna dive right in here. So Jesus starts out by talking about adultery, and he says, you have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to, to lust, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. 
And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And so we sit here and we read this, and it's tough stuff to get into. You know, Jesus is taking time to make sure that he extends what he's been talking about. You know, last week we kind of talked a little bit about murder and what that looked like if you even thought that. And so he's getting back to the heart of what it means when we're thinking about these things. And so he's going beyond just our external actions and he's getting to our internal motives or our thoughts. And so it's really important because at this point in time in Israel, in the first century when Jesus is teaching, they had a very externally controlled society. If you did something wrong, you got leprosy or you got stoned with like real rocks. If the nation sinned, your enemies came in and they, you know, invaded your territory. And also in the first century, adultery was a big deal. Everybody understood what adultery was at that point in time, which was sexual relations that would happen that were outside of the, the, the marriage. And so this is something that is very important because, again, he's extending this, this definition of external actions to internal actions. And so it's more than just doing that, but it's thinking about that. It's the thought about it. And Jesus has also experienced a lot of this in his life. If we're familiar with some of the, the other teachings that Jesus has, you know, Jesus had found a woman who was caught in adultery, and the Pharisees, we're talking about the people who knew the law really well, were getting ready to stone this woman who was caught in adultery. And Jesus's words to them were, whoever is sinless may cast the first stone. And he takes some time and he writes in the sand. And the Pharisees eventually start leaving one by one by one until there's none left. And Jesus looks to the woman and he says, woman, where are your accusers? There are none. Go and sin no more. You know, in this exchange right here, he really got to the heart of all of this with the Pharisees and the fact that their actions, their motives, the things that they had even thought about were just as bad as this, the actions of this woman who was caught in adultery. You know, just like murder, all of these sins, a lot of these sins were punishable by death. They were getting ready to stone this woman who was caught in adultery. And again, remember, it's not about our external actions. It's about our heart at this point. Jesus goes as far as talking about removing anything in our lives that causes us to sin. You remember when he said, so if your eye, even your good eye, or even your good hand causes you to sin. So in, in, in this time, you know, you've got your left side, your right side, and everybody would think about their right side being stronger and carrying more power. And so he goes as far as saying, your good hand, your good eye, get rid of it. It's better to get rid of that than to burn in hell. Jesus understood the power of things that came from our hearts. And that's why he goes as far to say this. Jesus has also shared that a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. 
And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. James, his brother, understood this too by saying that temptation comes from our own desires, our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So when Jesus goes as far as saying, gouge out your eye, cut off your hand, he's saying that if you allow these things to continue to allow you to sin, it's gonna drag you away. It's gonna cause you to compromise, and compromise in this scenario can kill. You know, in this case, lust left unchecked can become a liability. Or in other words, you have to make up your mind to master your mind. Letting your thoughts wander can lead to that sense of compromise if you're not careful, and compromise will kill. There's some of you here today who could stand to lose an eye or a hand, or maybe a phone, or your internet, or the sense of your daily routine because it takes you by temptation time and time again. It's serious business because God cares so much that you would not burn, that you would not face death in this way. And so I gotta ask, what is it that you need to cut out of your life to save it? Jesus doesn't stop there. He talks about the greater destruction that adultery can have in our lives by talking about divorce. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife merely by giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. Jesus is talking about these two things in the same breath because they're so difficult to separate. You see, in first century, when Jesus is teaching this, this was a very prevalent action that would occur. You have Pharisees and rabbis that were just leaving women for no apparent reason. They would divorce them for no reason. And Jesus is reminding them of the law, why it's there, why it is important it's for their protection, but it also reminds them of the, the importance, excuse me, the importance of these covenants, these vows, these oaths that people are making to each other and before God. See, we use words like covenant. You might see that in your Bible, but a covenant is a promise or a vow or an oath or something that you know, you're making not only to other people, but before God. You know, like at a wedding, if you've been married or you are married or you've been to a wedding, you've seen how this looks. You've got um, a groom and you've got a bride and they're there with the spiritual representative for God, the pastor or the priest, and they're making a commitment to each other. And before God in that scenario, but then also in front of all these other people. And just like we saw this morning with child dedication, you know, We've got families that are here that are making this commitment to each other, to their children, to their church family, and their church family doing that for them. These are serious commitments that we're making. You know, whatever vow, covenant, promise, commitment that we're making, it's important that we do 
what we say we're going to do. Because Jesus continues to kind of wrap up this entire section. Jesus continues by talking about the importance of covenants. And this is important, so take note. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say, by heaven, because earth is his footstool. And do not say, by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say, by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. I tell you, I wish I could turn some hairs back to black. <laughs> there, there are quite a few hairs I wish I could make black again. But just one example after another, Jesus is not just reminding us the importance of the covenants or the promises that we're making, but he's setting the standard high for integrity. You know, at this time, people would make promises. They would make covenants as contractual agreements. These were things that they were bound to, and if they broke these covenants, if they broke these promises, there were serious repercussions for these types of things. People would say, well, I swear by the God of Abraham that I will repay you for your kindness for giving me sheep or whatever it might have been. But people would use these qualifiers as, or almost a token seal for the covenants that they were making. And they would do this because sometimes they felt like they could weasel their way out of a, of a deal if it went south. Well, God did not provide for me, so now I do not need to repay you. Makes me think of when we were kids. Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. It probably dates me because I don't hear any kids saying that these days. <laughs> but think about it. Those promises that you would have made saying that simple little cross my heart, hope to die, whatever, like where, where did those promises end up? Nowhere. You didn't take them serious. It was just like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to tell you. I'm, I'm being really serious about this. But in actuality, you probably weren't. So between our external actions and our internal motives, Jesus continues to set the standard high when we're talking about integrity. We're not talking about fluff, token seals. We're not talking about swearing to God, swearing on your mother's grave, crossing your heart, whatever. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Remember, how did we respond to the child dedication this morning? We will. Not, I swear we will, or I swear this, or I swear that. It was, we will, or we do. He's keeping it simple. So let me ask you, of some of the commitments and promises that maybe you are making in your life, are you a man of your word? Or are you making promises that you just can't? You know, going about your life, these commitments that you've made to others and before God, like loving your spouse in sickness and in health. But if you're honest, you're sick of them. You know, to help your children see the love of God by the way that you raise them and care for them. But instead, 
you're frustrated with them all the time and you just want to frustrate them. Like that video that we saw at the beginning of service. I was thinking about your job, to work diligently at your job, whatever you put your hand to. You're supposed to be working as if you are serving the Lord and instead you're just working to serve the man because you're getting a check and that's all that really matters. Or maybe if you think about it, simply living your life in a way that brings honor and glory to God. Are you making good on some of those promises? Because if we don't make up our mind to master our minds, temptation, as Jesus is talking about, as, as James is talking about, can creep into our lives. It can take hold and it can drag us down. It can take us off course and it can make us not follow through on the commitments that we made. So what can you do to start living as a person of integrity or as a man of your word? You know, to be a man of your word, you have to be a person of the word or you have to be about the word. Let me say it again. To be a man of your word, you have to be about the word. And I'm talking about if you have any hope of standing by your promise, you have to be standing on the promise of God. You have to be standing on his promises because our promises will not stand up without that foundation of standing on the promises of God. And so what does that practically look like? You know, when the world is vying for your attention, you've got those social media algorithms that are serving you more things that you already like, like pictures of cats and kids and flowers and whatever it might be, and you're consuming more and more and more and more and more. And society is telling you to do more of this. You need to double down and spend more time with God. Because if you're not, how can you expect your heart, your mind, your actions to be transformed and conformed to the will of God? Not only that, when we think about the things that we can learn from our heavenly Father, we can be reminded that God is a man of his word. Remember, all these songs that we're singing this morning remind us of God's goodness. They remind us that no promise goes out and comes back void, that the word does not go out and come back void. It reminds us that God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you and for me, that all who would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. And there are promises throughout the Old Testament that are confirmed through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And then we see promises that are fulfilled throughout the New Testament too. So by spending more time in the word, in the presence of God, by praying and reading, you can be a person of the word and you can stand by your word. You know, the Apostle Paul would say, do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be, what? Transformed by the renewal of your mind. Remember, Jesus is extending this beyond our actions, our external actions. He's getting to the heart of all of this internally as we're thinking about what our motives are, what our heart is in all of this whether it's the things that you think about a person or a situation, 
or it's about the promises that you make with the intent of following through or not. God is speaking specifically to you to be a person of integrity. And men, I want to encourage you today. I don't want this to be like a, we're going to line all the guys up and we're going to hit them like a pinata because that's not what Father's Day is about. I want to encourage you, no matter if you are a dad or if you were a dad or if you're a bonus dad or hopeful dad, whoever you are, I want to encourage you to be men of integrity. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Don't add any other qualifiers or any of those things in there because it's important. You know, when we commit to leading our families, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Think about what your family would look like when you step into that role, when you take that mantle of being a man of your word seriously. Think about that. Think about the lives that are being transformed. Your spouse, knowing that you cherish them. Your kids, knowing that you love them. Your neighbors, knowing that you care for them too because you're gonna be about the things that God is about. So I wanna encourage you today. Don't give up. Don't cut corners. Be a man of your word. And imagine what that can do for your household. But as people of integrity, imagine what our church would look like when we say that we're gonna come alongside these parents and to love and to care for their kids. It doesn't just stop as soon as they hit fifth grade, it continues throughout college. And we love and we care for these kids. No matter what stage of life that they might be in, no matter what they might be experiencing, we have the opportunity to continue to pour into that next generation. So we take these commitments that we make, like child dedication, very seriously. So think about what our church could look like. Think about the impact that our church could have. When we say that we're gonna do something and we show up and we do it, when we go above and beyond and we listen to what God has to say and we allow that to transform the way that we approach life, imagine that. Imagine what God can do in and through you by simply saying, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me, use me, however you wish. Imagine that. Imagine the impact that we can have on the lives of those around us. Imagine the impact that our church could have. And that when people realize that, it's evidence of God's goodness by being a person of integrity. It is evidence of what God said he would do by the way that you live your life. It is evidence of that. So let's live as evidence to God's goodness. Let's live as people of integrity. So I want to encourage you right now as we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, I want to do a couple of things. One, I want to encourage you is bow your head. And one, if you are a, a man that is here, I want to pray specifically for you. I want to pray that you can be a man of your word and that you can live into that mantle that has been placed on your life to continue to love and to lead well in everything that you do. And so if that is you here, and I just want to encourage you to raise your hand. And if you're wrestling with, if you're any, anyone else who might be wrestling with integrity, 
being a person who promises to follow through on what they said that they would do, whether, they have, whether you have the will or desire to do that, or maybe you just don't feel like it anymore, and you need help, I'm gonna pray for you. And would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? And maybe you're here today for the first time hearing this and wondering how you can do this, but you can't do it on your own. And you wanna accept that gift, that promise that God has for you, and you wanna live for him. You wanna accept the gift of grace of Jesus Christ. I wanna pray specifically for you today. So would you raise your hand and I'll, I wanna include you in this prayer as we close out our time this morning. Heavenly Father, you are so good and we can learn so much from you if we take the time and we lean in to just spend time with you, our Heavenly Father, our Dad. And often life might distract us, might tarnish the way that we approach you or think about you, God. And I, I just want to apologize personally for the times that I've fallen short. I have not approached you in the way that I should or approached others in the way that I should that would have modeled your love to them. And so God, as we are here today, we wanna give ourselves to you and we wanna commit those men who are here to be men of God, to be men of our word and to continue to lean into that call that you've placed on our lives to help us to not just love and care for our families and our neighbors, but to go beyond that. And everything that we do and that we say to bring you honor and glory and praise, to be a person of integrity. And God, no, no matter where we may fall on this journey, uh, there are some of us who are here today who are really wrestling with the idea of being a person of integrity. And we wrestle with allowing our yes to be yes and our no to be no, or our, our ability to follow through and to make good on the commitments that we have made. So God, I pray that you would embolden us to take even just small steps today, to commit to doing that and to be consistent in that. God, help us, give us the, the energy and the mindset and the will that we need to continue to carry that out. And when we do stumble and when we do fall, God, remind us that it's okay, that you're gonna be there to pick us back up and to set us back on the right path. And for those of, that, that are here today within the sound of my voice, that are needing hope, that are needing healing, that need that gift that you extend to them to, to not perish, but to have eternal life, to, to be able to take advantage of that wonderful gift that you have through your son, Jesus Christ, I pray, God, for them. And I, I want them to take this moment and adopt these words as their own. God, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of living life on my own for not making good on all the promises and all the things that perhaps I've, I've, I've made promises for. And God, I, I pray that you would forgive me. Please forgive me. And I accept your gift of Jesus Christ 
I accept Jesus as my Savior, and I want to live my life for him today and tomorrow and for the rest of my life. Thank you, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.